Hello and welcome to the Q York podcast. It's great to have you with us today and we hope that as you listen, you'll be inspired as we continue on our shared quest together. This podcast is entirely free and yet it's not cheap to put together and wouldn't be possible without the generosity of our supporters. So if you consider yourself a supporter of Q, then please head to qyork.co.uk and hit donate to show your support today because there really is no Q without you. Thank you and enjoy today's message. Hey everybody, good to have the opportunity to uh, talk to you for a little bit. Um, I've wrestled for several days, in fact most of the week, with uh, with um, some of the issues that I want to talk to you about today. But I feel settled that uh, I have what it is that I want to say and what it is that I feel that I need to say so hopefully it will help you um if you do hear some external noise of knocking and uh, um uh, a power saw and uh, an angle grinder it's my neighbor's chosen to do some work this morning so hopefully you won't hear it uh, but if you do it's not jesus knocking at the door it's my neighbor um fixing his fence um i want to talk to you today uh about what i've titled beware of the dogma um, it's a subject matter that I think is very important at this time. And so I want to, first of all, uh, get the jokes out of the way, uh, because my head goes to all the dad jokes, which I think are very funny, but I think are actually very poignant and, uh, and, um, uh, uh, instructive about the nature of dogma. Uh, uh, I mean, the first one, of course, is, is to me was the obvious one. It's where my brain goes. A dogmas for life, not just for Christmas. Uh, okay, among all your who's. Um, actually, what's really funny is that there are some dogmas that are formed around the dinner table at Christmas time, which never, which never um, let go. And those dogmas do become for life, not just for Christmas. So maybe there's a, a deeper sense of reality with that than uh, than the joke would suggest. Also, the other one I like is, if you have a dogma, you will spend most of your life feeding and walking it. Uh, there's so much truth uh, in that. Now, I'll just give you one more so that you don't get fed up of me uh, and my what you think might be my stupid jokes that I think are actually very brilliant. Um... Any relationship into which I enter will be governed by love me, love my dogma. As I've already said, there's actually a lot of truth in those statements. And uh, I want to try and cover that with you a little bit today. July the 4th, which um, is uh, a week today, will mark for me 29 years as uh, senior leader of, um, of the church, which is now Q Church. And uh, we were we were the Rock Church, the Rock of York, and way way back, Assemblies of God. Uh, Twenty nine years for me next week as senior pastor, uh, and um, uh, it looks like that potentially may be the weekend of resumption from the lockdown of coronavirus, which has gone on for a long time. And faced faced with that possibility, um, I would have to say thinking about it, it, this has been an interesting time of introspective questioning of point and purpose in my own life, in, in, in uh, the life and, and direction of, of, of the community that we are part of that is now 
going under the name of Q. Many conversations, many, um, many difficult ones um, uh, brought to the fore because of the, I suppose, the space that has been created by uh, what we've all been in with the lockdown to uh, look at certain things and, uh, and address certain things with which we have been confronted. Uh, if, if you think about it, in less than 12 months, we've been through what some would describe as, as the trauma. Some would describe it as a very severe trauma. Uh, the traumas of Brexit, um, followed by a general election, and then uh, hot on the on the hot on the heels, hot heels, hot on the heels of the general election. We then uh, found ourselves stricken with the coronavirus uh, pandemic and and all that's gone along with that. And then, of course, into that space where we all have had a lot more thinking space and uh, and free time came uh, the George Floyd killing in in America um, and uh, the upsurge of awareness for the uh, BLM, the Black Lives Matter group and um, and their message and objectives. And then, of course, you know, some of the other traumas which you had to that, which have not helped, has been no live sport on TV uh, and uh, hairdressers not open. And, uh, yeah, I'm not meaning to make light of some of the more important issues, but uh, I think all of you know that um, uh, in our punity, um, those things actually, to some people, probably matter more than all the other stuff. But there you go. But uh, but we we've been through these. So so several, what we could describe as trauma, certainly challenges uh, to all of us, and um, uh, within those traumas and those challenges I, I i think the sad thing is that there's been so much to divide us rather than to unite us um it's not ideas and opinions that divide us it's dogma that divides us dogma always divides there's no healing balm within its substance it, it always leads to declaiming denouncing and destroying in one way or another. Uh, dogma is defined as principles or rules that cannot be questioned. A belief or set of beliefs held by a group or organisation that others are expected to accept without argument. Can you therefore see the danger of when something that begins to happen develops our thinking to create a dogma. It's been the curse of Christianity, I believe, uh, since its inception. And uh, with all the good it has done, sadly, the dogma within it has often created much that has been very bad and, and unhelpful. So in addressing this issue, I want to bang the drum again on, on, on this issue of dualistic binary thinking. Because this one thing, above all others, drives the destructive nature of dogma. Which is what we are seeking to develop awareness of and resistance to in our building of, of Q Church and uh, Q York and Q Network. Let me remind you what, what 
dualistic binary thinking is. It's thinking that the world and the works of its inhabitants can be simply divided into right and wrong, good and evil, either or, in or out, black or white, gay or straight, master or slave, us and them, win and lose, reward and punishment, heaven and hell, you get the drift. As I've said before, life and people are much more complex than that. And as I've also said before many times, if you're not prepared to familiarise yourself with a person's story, don't presume yourself qualified to judge their actions, and that works right across the board. At, at the core of the church's attempt to understand and counteract the damaging nature of this way of thinking, this dualistic binary way of thinking, was the development of the doctrine of God as Trinity. Um, now, there's nowhere in the Bible that specifically says God is three persons, three in one, one in three. You understand the whole thing, Father, Son, Spirit. Um, it, it, but I believe it was developed because the challenge that faced those who were trying to give some thoughtful, considered, uh, helpful insight to the struggles of humanity in the time that they were addressing this issue were trying to break down the binary system of the mind. This thing that just always takes us to right, wrong, good, evil, in, out, and all the things that, that, that we've said. So, so they developed the doctrine of God as Trinity, God in three persons. So we have a third impartation to break that binary thinking it's interesting because uh, you know there are there are several words of wisdom i mean even in in the uh, old proverbs in the bible about a threefold cord is not easily broken so a cord with three strands is incredibly strong and it, it, it that has formed the basis of one of the key elements of rope making and uh, our ability to depend on the strength has come from the from the trinitarian the tri rather than the binary. Um, so so, so it, it, it was developed to try and break down the binary system of the mind. The, the Trinitarian perspective, and you know, if you're not particularly a church person, don't worry, just take the principal understanding of what this is about. The Trinitarian perspective is an attempt to explain what it is that frees us from the survival dance and invites us to join the sacred dance. It highlights the instability and long-term ineffectiveness of a two-legged stool. I like to think about binary uh, dualistic thinking as a two-legged stool. Uh, you can sit on it for a while, but um, it's going to then get very uncomfortable and unstable uh, because it's missing a leg. And when we approach any issue and try and evaluate it only from a binary dualistic mindset there will always at some point become a, a, a de devastating instability which is going to cause the whole thing to collapse and fall. But then, of course, you know, someone else will get the blame because of the missing leg, but don't, don't do it. Uh, um, Two-legged stools are not easy to sit on. So we have to introduce, even into the human idea 
um, of, of, you know, the way it was put in scripture was the, the, the triune God, Father, Son, Spirit. For us, it was explained in the sense of body, soul, spirit. Um, always trying to bring in somehow into our field of view this idea that if we only live with binary thinking, the right and wrong, the good and evil, it will only ever destroy. I mentioned when I talked about this previously that uh, uh, the ancient writers of the Bible in Genesis give an example of, of, of the destructive nature of this by talking about it in the context of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil uh, in the Garden of Eden. And and they they record the words that the, the divine presence that God says to the human, uh, don't eat from this tree because in the day that you eat of it, you will die. So right from the beginning, even in ancient understanding, there was a, a grasp that if you only think binary, if you only think dualistic, if you only think right and wrong, good and evil, and you don't introduce into that, let's say, the God element, the spirit element, um, <clears throat> the wider element than just just the, the, the seeming factual existence of judging between two elements. Because, you know, um, uh, the good element is just as bad because then you just become self-righteous. Um, if we don't introduce that in, then then what it brings to us, and I know it, it's kind of metaphorical speech, which is not everybody's cup of tea, but it's saying if you if you try to measure things from that space, all that will happen is you will surely die. And we have lived in a world that with that right and wrong, good and evil system, and and are seeking to exclude another dimension. Uh, that comes from righteous justice that emerges from love not from right and wrong that emerges from spirit not flesh um, we have created um, all manner of ills in society um, so so the introduction of the third you know the third thing what is the third thing well it's it's whatever is not just right and wrong good and evil black white in out etc etc uh, the introduction of a third thing shows an interflow of relationship that corrects the imbalance. It, it brings into the, into the situation a relational context, just like with a three-legged stool. The relationship between the three legs uh, is what allows the stool to be stable. So if we don't allow something to come in beyond just our... Um, <clears throat> Uh, basic human instinct of right and wrong and good and evil then there will always be an imbalance and of course then we will come up with an incorrect conclusion or at least a def defective uh, inaccurate incomplete conclusion to any situation that we are assessing <clears throat> the, the, this introduction of the third thing you know spirit love life uh, outside of just right, wrong, good, and evil, it, it, that's the force behind Jesus. Jesus, uh, uh, love your enemies. Okay, there's one for you. Uh, forgive seventy times seven. Do not judge, or you will be judged. And with the measure that you have judged, will be the measure that you yourself are judged. Love one another as I have loved you. Uh, uh, um, the, these were the these were the messages that 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 were driven by this force of the third influence 
um, in the life and ministry of of Jesus, what you might call the spirit influence beyond just the binary perspective on humanity and life. And, and of course, that also has driven uh, Paul's great messages. You know, when Paul talks about in, in 1 Corinthians 13, uh, now these three remain, right? As I've said to you before, something can only remain if you stripped something away. So for me to re- Gurgitate the wording around Paul's thing. When you strip away everything that's just stuff, might be important stuff, it might be challenging stuff, uh, but often just coming from a perspective of right, wrong, good and evil, binary, um, uh, dualistic thinking, uh, we create a lot of stuff. Paul says when you strip away everything that's just stuff, you're left with only three things, faith, hope and love. There's the three again. There's there's that, that number three. You know, you can even think of Jesus rising the third day. You know, we're being pushed to say, look, don't just look at things and think from a binary dualistic perspective. You have to think beyond, uh, within, under, over, around all of that with something that's more spirit driven, that is not allowing that two legs to dominate what the stool is or the stability of the stool or the instability of the stool. Uh, so Paul, Paul's message, these three remain, uh, faith, hope and love. And, and also when he gives his other message about three categories, he says, for in Christ, and get this, I, I have to give space to think this through. In Christ, there is neither Jew nor Greek, male nor female, slave nor free. But we're all one in Christ, seeming to suggest that when the Christ factor, if we understand that element comes in, and corrects our binary dualistic thinking, it means that we not only change our own hearts and minds, but we change society where we don't have the divisiveness of Jew and Greek, uh, male and female, slave and free. This is surely what we're aiming for. Uh, it's, it's also the force behind the universally uh, included and accepted message from, from all known religions pretty much on the earth and certainly a central tenet of the Christian faith. Do unto others as you would have them do to you. Not wait till others have changed or change what others do so that then you can decide you're going to deal with them differently. But actually be the initiator. Um, unilaterally do to others as you want them to do to you, which has a big impact on how we react to anything. And um, of course, in the context of the, the biblical perspective of, of trying to break our binary uh, dualistic thinking, and we have this introduction of spirit, Father, Son, Spirit, um, uh, Paul writes this about that element, because he says that this is the fruit that comes in when the thinking and action is non-dualistic and non-binary. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. Against such things there is no law. So that breaks us outside of the parameters of the consequences of purely dualistic and binary thinking. Acting from a binary perspective only ever shifts who holds the power rather than dissolving the power 
into a loving union. I've often said to Chris in our conversations about uh, atheist versus Christian or fundamental um, uh, versus liberal progressive that uh, when it comes to aspects of Christianity, what often happens is that a fundamentalist uh, who dislikes, for example, Christian doctrines of things like hell and penal substitutionary atonement uh, and all the things that go with that, the tithe, etc., etc., um, very often what you see is what they change to is, is, is simply a different belief, but their fundamentalism goes with them. So they just become fundamentally against rather than fundamentally for. And there's no real growth uh, and expansion in the understanding of getting a grasp on uh, spirituality, um, on, uh, on, 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 uh, on, 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 God on the divine on all of those issues. Um, uh, remember where we said about we have majors on majored on developing people's conscience rather than their consciousness. And uh, we w- w- point I'm trying to make here is that that if we if we binary thinkers if we are dualistic thinkers all we do is we shift who holds the power. Um, rather than dissolving the power into a loving union where we create the society uh, and the community that uh, uh, where there really is no slave or free, no male or female, no no uh, Jew nor Greek. Uh, now, now on this, I have to give a note to self um, that if the objective is the formation of a strong group, the specifying and clarifying of first principles or the demonstrating that your idea is superior to others' ideas, non-dualistic wisdom is just not helpful. Uh, And I've had to wrestle with that because I'd like a packed church uh, of people who think I'm amazing, love what we're doing. You know, you get the drift. Um, But... uh, once you go down the line we've gone and you challenge that um, approach of dualistic binary thinking, um, the objective changes from, you know, primarily trying to form a strong group or build a bigger church um, and and have very clear what it is that you want to do and what matters and what people must believe uh, uh, and then, of course, the demonstration that our church is better than your church, our idea is greater than your idea, our revelation is superior to your revelation. Um, uh, if you're not going to do that, it's just not helpful in in the context of uh, building what we're trying to build. And that's why I said that's a note to self. Uh, uh, one may say it makes for a very dull religion because we actually prefer having enemies, apportioning blame, Judging, categorizing, condemning, shaming, guilting, demanding reparation, positioning ourselves in the place of humble superiority and soaking in the pleasing sensation of our own self-righteousness. And I could argue that's when most people's passion comes to the fore, which is sad really, isn't it? In uh, 1762, Jean-Jacques Rousseau began his book, The Social Contract, with the words, Man is born free, yet is everywhere in chains. He was addressing, actually, in his book, The State of France in its pre-revolution 
aristocratic repressive system. Uh, and so I do take his words uh, slightly out of context in, 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 this, in this measure that if you expand that, even outside of po- political struggle, it is such a powerful statement. What it must be it must be one of the most amazing opening sentences to a book ever. Man is born free, yet is everywhere in chains. If you look around you, uh, if you maybe even look at your own life, uh, what a statement. Man is born free, yet is everywhere in chains. My desire is that we rediscover the fullness of the freedom that we have and that uh, we are not in chains and we free others from those chains, but I believe those chains are often the chains of dogma and I'm not prepared to replace one religious dogma with another idealistic dogma because the idea is we don't want a dogma, okay? Dogmas take too much looking after anyway, but then, of course, the problem is, we're back to the, the, back to the dogma jokes, the problem is uh, your dogma will give you a lot of love back in ways that you want it and will make you want to keep the dogma. Uh, but the truth is that the dogma's got to go, okay? That's, that is driving our defective understanding of the situation in our world and our, our processes to address and deal with it. See, dealing with, with a human problem in a binary dualistic way simply inverts the problem. It, it just it just flips. So the, the, mas- the slaves become the masters, the masters become the slaves. The in becomes the outs and the outs become the in. The good become the bad and the bad become, become the good. You see, see what I'm saying here? And so, and so if we try to deal with this, these problems in a dual, binary dualistic way, we simply invert the problem. Uh, it never dilutes it. It cannot eradicate it. It will only ever galvanize it. Uh, Jesus was a subversive against empirical systems. Whether it be Rome or what the Jews had done to their religion, or you could say God's religion, uh, and what they'd done to the divine presence, the point that now when the one they were looking for comes on the scene, they reject him. But Jesus never set out to replace these empirical systems with another empire. Sadly, the church lost this message somewhere along the line. And uh, we need to restore that. We we need to get back to to the non-empirical understanding and dismantling of the dogmas that come with empire and religion. I believe that Jesus challenged it with with the introduction of humility, self-sacrifice, forgiveness, tolerance, acceptance, mercy, loving kindness. These are the elements that you challenge the dogma with and the empirical thinking. And, And I believe he was following the mantra of the Old Testament scripture, which says, and it's Psalm 103, he does not treat us as our sins deserve. Or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for us. As far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. 
as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on us, for he knows how we are formed and he remembers that we are dust. As for man, his days are like grass, he flourishes like a flower of the field. The wind blows over it and it's gone and its place remembers it no more. But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with us and his righteousness with our children's children. I think that kind of is the, it it, it grabs the spirit that is introduced to break the binary thinking and of how we have been dealt with by God and how we should deal with others in this situation and and the, the greatest and most effective way to bring actual transformation and change. See, Wherever you see any idealism, use the menace of intimidation and accusations of collective guilt to further its power. Run. It's a religion. You need to run, okay? You've got to spot these things. It's not the Spirit of Christ in any of its expressions. It will never heal the world of its pain and injustices. You cannot make war on the past. It doesn't hear you. It's like shouting correction at a corpse and expecting it to change what the inhabitants of the corpse did. Do you you get my thinking on this, okay? Don't come at it from the dualism. God had a word which held the way, I believe, to heal the wounds and failures of the past. And whether you like it or not, here's how he proposes we do that. It's found in Isaiah 43 and verse 18 forget the former things do not dwell on the past see I am doing a new thing or in other words see a new thing you you can't deal with it by dwelling on the past you've got to forget those things and you've got to have a spirit that has a new thing you're doing a new thing He says, now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the desert, streams in the wasteland. Nobody's doubting and denying that the journey that we engage with is desert and wasteland. But what I do believe is that when we come at this from the right way, which is non-binary, non-dualistic and driven by spirit, driven by what I would call the third perspective, it will make a way in the desert and it will produce streams in the wasteland. So let me finish by trying to explain to you something that I uh, saw in a dream a couple of nights ago. Now I was going to illustrate it, um, but what I realised when you've got the um, when you've got the camera uh, turned around on on the phone, you see nothing's the right way around. Words are the wrong way around because it's like looking in the mirror. So I'm just going to have to try and explain it to you very briefly. Um, here's what I saw. I saw three things. I saw the words human being, right, at the centre, human being. And then I saw the word good come on one end, and I saw the word bad come on the other end. So we have three things, right, three things there, but they're destructive three. Good, human being, bad. And yet, as I looked at it in my dream, what I saw was good, human, being bad. Good, human, being bad. But when in my dream it flipped around, what I saw was bad, human, being 
Good. And here's what came into my thinking in the dream. That all of us are a mixture of good and bad. And bad and good. But we cannot allow that good or that bad to dictate how we understand our humanity. See? Good, human, being, bad. Bad, human, being, good. I called that, in the dream, the destructive three. Okay? But if we want to go to a transformative three, here's what happened in the dream. Uh, Good was replaced by God. Because if God is love, here's what my thinking was in the dream. If God is love, then I need to replace good with God and I need to replace bad with love. Here, Here was my... Again, you're saying, I don't have dreams like that. I have lots of dreams like this. So I'm watching this happen in my dream with the, with the, the cards and the words. So, so here's, here was the thinking in the dream. If you replace good with God, that comes from the story in the Gospels of, of when Jesus was confronted by what the Bible calls a rich young ruler, a rich young politician, who who approached him by saying, um, uh, um, good master, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus' response was um, that, that why are you calling me good? Because only one is good and that's God. Therefore, Jesus was saying, if you're going to call me good, call me God. Because goodness flows out of the God presence. And then if we replace bad with love. Why do we replace bad with love? Because again, coming from the Bible, here's what happens in me. Because love covers a multitude of sin. For love to work really in its restorative process, it has to be willing to cover uh, the sins that we see, real or non-real, perceived or actual. Love covers a multitude of sins. So, so we replace good with God and we replace bad with love. And then, and then here's what my image was. And I wish I could show it to you, but because it's backwards, I'd have to write everything backwards and I'm not clever enough to do that. So instead of having good human being bad or bad human being good, what we were now left with is God human being love. A transformative three, okay? A transformative three. Note that right in the middle, the constant is human being. We have to learn to celebrate our humanity and the tremendous privilege it is to be alive in our world. What a wonderful privilege that is. And uh, it's not cursed as some in my background would want to say to you, but it's blessed. God blessed them. We are a blessed uh, creature. And we have the opportunity, the ability, the wisdom, if we'll use it, the mental capacity, the physical strength to do things in our world that no other part of creation can possibly do. But while ever we get stuck in binary dualistic thinking, uh, we, we cannot accomplish the fullness of that goodness. Uh, and if we then add into that that we just Put, put the binary thinking into our humanity and finish up with those destructive three, God, human, being bad, then that's not going to help us. But if we get the God part in self, listen to what this says, God, human, being, love. What's the objective of our humanity? It's God, human, being, love. God, 
human being love. Now you can flip this one round as well. And if you flip this one round, it says love, human being God. So when love shows up in our humanity, we are being God in our community. When God shows up in human form, we are being love to our community. Do you get me? This, this is what my dream was. So I want to encourage you today. I want to I press you towards a goal, which is to get rid of the dogma. You know, I, I again, on a personal level, I have had two wonderful dogs and uh, both of them we finished up having to have put down. And it was horrendous it was devastating particularly Tia our Chinese Sharpe who was our first dog that was such a uh, such a glue with us as a as a couple and we loved her to bits and uh, little old Tia uh, a back end went sounds like a car in the 60s uh, a back end went and we had no option she was paralyzed but to uh, have her put to sleep and it was horrendous we sobbed we wept we cried I was miserable for months uh, because we don't like to we don't like to euthanize our dogmas and in the same way we don't like to euthanize within us the dogmas that we have developed Remember, dogma is defined as principles and rules that cannot be questioned. A belief or set of beliefs held by a group or organisation that others are expected to accept without argument. We struggle to euthanise our dogma, but you need to euthanise your dogma. If you're willing to put that down, maybe then we can start to live in the space of God, human, being love. Of love, human, being God. And it's in that space that we truly, I believe, can bring the change that I think we all truly desire in our own lives, in our community, in our world. And, uh, you know, love conquers all. Let's not forget that, that when it's based in love, love is the thing that transforms people and transforms communities. So I bless you. I love you. Uh, hopefully we'll be together again soon. I hope I've given you some food for thought today and uh, enjoy the rest of your day. And uh, uh, I'm looking forward to when we can actually get close enough to have a hug uh, and say hi and bless one another. So stay safe and uh, we'll see you soon. Love you, bless you and uh, have a great day. Thanks for listening to another Q York podcast. If you've been inspired by what you've heard today, then why not email us at info at qyork.co.uk and let us know who you are and where you're listening from. We love that you're listening to us and we'd love to hear from you too. Did you know you can also watch all of the talks from Q on our YouTube channel? Just go to youtube.com forward slash qchurchyork. We look forward to having you with us again soon. Until then, enjoy the quest.